Good. You look good. Unusually good. Some Sunday nights, not quite so good, but tonight, it's good to see you here. We want to take a few moments uh, praying for our hospitalized and those who have uh, special needs, particular prayer needs. Um, Hospitalized church members, we want to remember Lou Miles and Gina Sumner. We want to remember and pray for them both. Hospitalized this past week home now, Betty Castagna is recovering from surgery. Gwen Sperlin also came home Wednesday recovering from surgery. Also, I got an email, uh, perhaps some of you did, Grady and Wanda Matthews had a house fire today during uh, morning church. They got home and uh, a candle apparently in their dining room. Their dining room is damaged, the attic, and then there's smoke damage throughout the house. So let's be remembering uh, Grady and Wanda as they work through that. Christian sympathy, we want to pray for the family of Reverend Richard Goff. I mentioned him in my uh, sermon this morning about uh, just the epitome of of faithfulness. Um, A wonderful saint, and I know there's a a special place in heaven that God has prepared for him. Also, I I heard uh, yesterday that the death of Emery McMillan's cousin, Gwen Yearwood, Gwen Yearwood, um, affiliated probably with the Methodist Church, Ashley Bernard's mother, and I guess Trish Yearwood's mother as well. So those services will be impending. And then also we learned sadly this afternoon of the unexpected death of Joanne Evans Davis. A lot of y'all know Joanne Evans. Um, married Jim Davis in May, been living in Ella J. Um, just so happy and doing so well and then don't know if it was a heart attack or, or what, but this afternoon that news came to Tifton. And three daughters here in Tifton, Barbara Coburn, um, Laurie Norman, and Carla Borum. So let's be remembering that those families tonight. Shall we bow? Father, as we gather here, We acknowledge that we can go no further lest you accompany us because our steps are faltering and our hearts are heavy. We have church members who've been hospitalized in our home improving and we're grateful for that. We also have church members in the hospital still who who need an intervention on your behalf for them to improve and we pray you'll do that. Father, we pray for Grady and Wanda as they try to sort things out and um, go through that whole process of of cleaning up a a damaged home, all the memories that are contained there. We pray for the Goff family and the Yearwood family in in recent deaths. And Lord, we pray for um, the family of Joanne Evans, Davis. We pray for the comfort of your presence to be there, your strength and grace to sustain them. A lot of details, a lot of things have to be worked out, Lord, because this was so unexpected. But we pray that you'll bless and and be with them and bring their comfort and strength and help us as a church family to continue ministering and loving and walking alongside these who grieve. 
Father, the Lord's Supper set before us reminds us that we are all part of the body of Christ, which was broken and shed for us. Open our hearts to receive a fuller measure of your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hymn number 377 is Jesus at your holy table, and we've gathered around his table. Please stand and sing. Jesus at your holy table, may our hearts united be. Bind us with your grace and presence that redeem and set us free. Crucify our pride and hatred like the path on which we walk. Teach us how to love each other in the way that you have taught. Christ, remind us of your gather here today to hear your word and seek your presence. Um, Just thanking you for the opportunity to serve you in many ways. Father, we joyfully give these tithes and offerings so that, Lord, your kingdom can be furthered. Lord, bless us with many talents and many more offerings, Lord, so we may be able to further your kingdom even more. Father, again, just thanking you for your graciousness and holiness and we love you father in jesus name we pray amen Trouble, burdens weigh me down. 
days can often be cloudy, and hope cannot be found. When I'm laden with sorrow, and I stumble and fall, Jesus takes me in His loving arms. He hears me when I call. Jesus, sit down, forget all of my trials, sit down and let him fill my spirit, sit down and just rest in him a while. I know Jesus is listening. I thought I'd preach tonight, but after hearing that song, I decided to sit down and rest with Jesus. (laughs) Who said amen? (laughs) Oh, boy. Observance of the Lord's Supper tonight, 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 34. Let me uh, actually start reading in verse 20. You're going to read some surprising words here. 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 20, and then I'm going to stop at 22 and then skip down to 27, which is your text this evening. Table manners is the uh, 
title tonight. Verse 20 says, When you meet together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one of you goes ahead with his own meal. One is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. (laughs) For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we should not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are chastened so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together and be condemned about the other things I will give directions when I come. Shall we pray? Father, if there's anything we don't want to happen... We don't want to, <coughs> excuse me, observe this Lord's Supper in an unfitting way that dishonors you or dishonors the body. So help us understand what that means and act accordingly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Did your parents work with you on table manners as a child? Still are. Good. What are some of them you learned? Chew with your mouth closed. Don't talk with food in your mouth. Don't put more food in your mouth until you've chewed what's already there. If you want something on the table, don't reach for it. Instead, say, pass the potatoes, please. Don't play with your food. Don't blow bubbles in your milk. If you wipe with your mouth, if you wipe your mouth, use a napkin and not your sleeve. And if you're finished, don't jump up and and exit, say, I have enjoyed it. May I please be excused? Y'all do that, right? Right. After I got married, I learned a lot of new rules. Don't sing at the table. Don't whistle at the table. Don't blow your nose at the table. Don't bring up unappetizing subjects at mealtime. Don't read the newspaper at the table. Don't watch TV while you're eating. Don't eat too fast. Keep your left arm off the table. Eat everything on your plate. Don't eat off of someone else's plate. (laughs) Do not cut all your meat up at one time. You know that, right? One bite at a time. Cut your meat one bite at a time. Don't ask for something if you don't see it on the table. Here's a good rule, guys. Don't suggest that your wife learns how to cook something from your mother. 
I could go on and on, but I'll pay for it. I have done them all and have been corrected multiple times. And when you obey all those rules, mealtime sounds kind of boring, doesn't it? Eating in silence, chewing slowly. I remember my father telling my nephew, chew your food 20 times. And he was, I could tell he was counting every bite. It was a miserable meal. Maybe you had some of your own rules in your own family. I hope so. My older sister and I fought all the time, and it often spilled over to mealtime, and our parents got tired of hearing us complain. She didn't eat her potatoes. He got a bigger piece of cake. And, and our parents said, just mind your own plate. You know, just worry about your own plate. And there, there are table manners that are universally accepted in our, in all over the world. But other cultures, of course, have different standards. And I can remember some missionaries telling me from the Middle East, particularly Arabian countries, and I hesitate to say this for the young men in our audience tonight, the best way in the Middle East to show your appreciation to the cook for a good meal is to belch loudly. (laughs) And they are offended if you leave the table and do not. That's if you're in the Middle East. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven through 34, the Apostle Paul is talking about simple table manners. Paul, like a parent being upset about a child's bad behavior at the table, Paul is upset about what he is hearing is going on in Corinth when they celebrate the Lord's Supper. And it is crazy. In, in the New Testament, the Lord's Supper literally was a meal together. It was like a covered dish supper. And it seems that the wealthier church members whose schedules permitted them to come earlier to the meal brought most of the food and did not wait for everyone else to arrive before they started eating. So they began eating immediately. When the latecomers finally arrived who had to work from sun up to sundown and could afford little food, they usually went home hungry. And so Paul is upset and he takes them to task. Are these proper manners at the Lord's table? He asks. He says in verse 22, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I shall not. And it's easy to understand why Paul is so upset. Because more is at stake here than just etiquette. Getting enough to eat is not the proper motive for coming to the Lord's Supper. Paul believed the real issue for them and for us is the quality of relationships among the members of the body of Christ. That's what it boils down to, plain and simple. Don't partake of the Lord's Supper if things are not right among you. Because the Lord's Supper will not Cover that up. If you really don't care about each other when you partake of the Lord's Supper, then you're making a mockery of it. That's what Paul meant when he said discern the body. He's reminding the readers that Jesus took the bread and broke it in his last meal and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. So eat the bread and drink the cup. When you do that in an unworthy manner is to treat these elements which symbolize the body and blood of our Savior 
with dishonor. And no Christian would ever want to do that. What did Paul mean when when he's warning against eating and drinking in, in an unworthy manner? He's not talking about going through the proper steps or the proper ritual, saying the right words or using the right tablecloth. He's talking about, and when he talks about discerning the body, he's talking about the problem the Corinthians were having at their communion service. When Paul said the body of Christ, he was referring to the church, the living dynamic body of Christ. And to discern the body then means to understand how the church is supposed to function. It means having enough regard for members of the body to be concerned about their welfare. In Corinth, to discern the body meant to love each other so much that you waited on those who were late and you made sure everyone had something to eat and no one went home hungry. We don't have those problems that they had in Corinth, thank goodness. Whether for an evening worship or a covered dish meal, we all come at about the same time. And there's, there is some danger that some who go through the line first will overload their plate and not leave enough for the others. But even if they do, nobody's going home hungry. For us, discerning the body, having regard for other members of our fellowship, I think means something a little different. I believe one meaning for us deals with how we receive new members into the body. We have some visitors with us each week. Some return, some don't. Most of the time we offer first-time visitors a friendly greeting, but it takes more of an effort to get to know those folks who come back a second or third time, or particularly if they're trying to break in to established circles of friends and Sunday school classes. And a lot of churches, frankly, don't help new members do that very well. We say, well, that person's not my age, or, or I'm not comfortable around them, or I don't think they'd be comfortable around me. We don't have that much in common. Or we, we let ourselves off the hook and we say, I'm kind of shy, and I don't know what to say to people that, that I don't know. And so rather than getting outside our comfort zone to get to know someone new, we stay within those, those comfortable walls with which we surrounded ourselves. It's so much easier that way. Paul would say that's not discerning the body very well. Here's another example. We've gotten to know some folks pretty well, and we harbor feelings about them. They have irritating traits, and we avoid them. And it's true that none of us are perfect. Each of us has some flaws and foibles. And we may judge that someone is is domineering or lazy or selfish or arrogant or jealous or gushy or manipulative or timid or aloof or whatever. And, and all those descriptions can probably be applied to someone. And discerning the body doesn't mean to pretend those characteristics don't exist. It just means to look for the good qualities in each other and affirm those, those things that we can't appreciate and to help, help us, help each other come together and work on those qualities together. And especially to learn the value of love and forgiveness and patience. Besides, you know what I have learned in my many years in the ministry? I have figured out that the qualities I dislike most in others, I have in myself. If it weren't so, 
then why am I so sensitive to them? And I've noticed the qualities I complain about most in others. I have too. According to Luke's account, when Jesus met with the disciples for the Lord's Supper, all did not go well in that upper room. He had given them the bread and cup, and he had to confront the fact that one of them would betray him that was sitting right there at the table with him. And Jesus didn't say to him, I don't like you, so you get up and leave before we observe the Lord's Supper. No. He sat there and he looked at Judas and then he looked at some disciples who were squabbling among themselves over who was the greatest and how all this must have frustrated Jesus. Here he was about to face arrest and trial. The disciples are squabbling and he must have felt like he was getting close to the end of his rope and felt like getting up and walking out. But you know what he did? He stayed, and he kept on breaking the bread and passing the cup and didn't give up on those 12 who were still there. If we're to follow the example of Christ, then we have to remain committed enough to remain at the table. We will learn that jealousy and conflict and other undesirable qualities will emerge even in the body of Christ, but they need not be fatal. They provide openings into deeper relationships with one another and with God. It was true for the disciples who journeyed with Jesus, and it can be true for us if we will just mind our manners, stay at the table, and rightly discern the body of Christ. So as we gather around the table this evening, look into the faces of those around you. Notice every one of them has strengths and weaknesses. And you know what? So do you. Recognize that God has brought us together and given us to one another for better or for worse. It's not an accident. In order that the name of Jesus may be glorified and that we may be his living body in this world, in this particular time, in this particular place. So Paul exhorts us to show good table manners by discerning rightly the body of Christ. And I think we do that best by regarding one another with love. Shall we bow? Father, as we come now to receive these elements, we read some crazy things going on in the Corinthian church when they came to observe the Lord's Supper. And thankfully that's not happening here, but but we have our own problems, our own challenges, our own weaknesses to deal with. So help us examine ourselves and this body of Christ to put aside the differences that would separate us and stay at the table coming together in love realizing that that Christ who died for us and who shed his blood for us and broke his body for us did the same when he looked around the table and saw Judas and saw squabbling disciples and 
and wondered. Help us follow that example and overlook each other's faults. Knowing that we have experienced the grace ourselves, having had our faults forgiven by you. Be with us now as we gather in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would open that door, I would come in and dine with him and he with me. This do in remembrance of me. So we gather to receive tangible expressions of his love and grace and forgiveness. These symbols, we, these, this cup and this bread, we believe are symbols of Christ's body and blood shed for us. And our church welcomes anyone who is a professing follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. If he is in your heart, you are welcome here. Paul wrote, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered unto you, that the night when our Lord Jesus was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Shall we bow? Father, as we come now to receive this bread, help us to do so by discerning the body aright, Symbolizing your body that was broken as we receive it into our own. Let let it remind us of the forgiveness and the grace that was offered at the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
One of the wonderful things about observing the Lord's Supper is the assurance that Jesus is with us wherever we are. He's in our hearts. So you don't have to be in a sanctuary to receive the elements, to participate with us. He's with you wherever you are. So go ahead and take a small piece of bread and a small cup of juice and have that ready to participate, to receive those symbols of what Christ did for you on the cross, to have the reassurance of His love and grace. He's with you now. Not as the fathers ate and died. He that eateth this bread shall live forever. So take and eat. In the same way also in that upper room that evening, Jesus took a cup and having blessed it, he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my blood which is shed for you. Shall we pray? Father, as we come here now to receive your cup, let it wash away our sins, which are black as coal, 
and make us white as snow. Only the blood of Jesus makes that possible. And you freely offered it to us. Tonight, let it renew our sense of forgiveness in your presence. And if there's anyone here who has never experienced that grace and forgiveness, let them find it here around this table tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. a small um, container of juice of some kind ready. It doesn't matter what it is. It matters what it symbolizes. What it symbolizes is the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross to offer us forgiveness of sins. He offers that to you tonight, and I hope you've experienced it. If not, that you'll give us the opportunity to counsel with you. We have a deacon by our telephone now, 382-6063. Call us and let us share with you how to find this grace, this forgiveness, this love that's poured out for you on the cross.
this new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. So take and drink. <laughs> 